It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. My bags are packed and I am ready for a couple of weeks in Italy. It's been two years since my last visit. And this time I'm taking my mobile studio and I will be reporting back to you on a future episode of the podcast with the casually baked culture in Italy, along with my reunion with some of my friends and whatever shenanigans I get up to. But first, I've got to share part two of Your Body and Cannabis. In that episode, if you'll recall, I got super nerdy with David Krantz, and we learned how our genes influence our response to foods, herbs, nutrients, and other substances, including cannabis. After learning that we can unlock the secrets of our DNA for optimum wellness with epigenetics coaching, I totally signed up. The big reveal happened last week, and I've been walking around feeling pretty damn empowered ever since. The results of my endocannabinoid panel are in, and I'm ready to puff puff pass them on. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, you might go back and listen to episode 47, Your Body Plus Cannabis First, before listening to part two. All right, we'll give you a minute to exit the theater. Before I share my genomic report, I want to tee things up because I think perspective is important and it changes the way we ultimately listen. Now, I'm a high achiever. For as long as I can remember, I've been driven to be my best while simultaneously striving to inspire others to join me on that journey. My goals continuously change, but my desire to learn, explore, 
be better, push myself, flex my creative muscles, and put myself out there never goes away. If you too are a go-getter, oh my God, you are going to love this shit. But as my highly intuitive nephew Quentin reminds me, everybody's not like you, Aunt Jojo. So even if you never want to explore your genomics, I hope you'll really listen to this podcast. Parents of teens and tweens, I especially care that you actively listen. I want you to know the options available to you for understanding how best to take care of yourself and also arm your kids with a blueprint for optimum health and wellness in their own lives. I keep thinking about how much dis-ease and doctor's visits and surgical procedures can be avoided and how much wealth, health, and happiness we can accumulate by possessing the roadmap to living our best life. I experienced glimpses of what life is like with dementia, watching my grandmothers and visiting assisted care facilities. The thought of me living such a boisterous, creative life only to have the memories of it snatched away from me when I need them most, when I'm too old to roam footloose and fancy free around the world writing and telling tales. The idea of not being able to remember or share my life is devastating for me. It's not something I vocalize regularly, but the idea definitely visits. And then one day, David Krantz found my podcast, and he presented me with the idea of nutrigenomics, the study of how my genes influence the way I respond to and process foods, herbs, nutrients, toxins, and of course, cannabis. Yes, a personal roadmap. Duh, of course I wanted one of those. Every high achiever wants efficiency. You know, grocery shopping has always seemed so obnoxious to me. How am I supposed to know today what I'm going to feel like eating in two days or the rest of the week for that matter? I spend more time in a grocery store than any human being I know. I'm indecisive. I read labels like they're homework, and I'm never exactly sure what I'm looking for. But this guy David was telling me we could identify exactly what I need. I was going to have a shopping list of optimum foods to eat, supplements to take, my ideal exercise regimen, and the best way to use, or perhaps not use, my favorite plant. The idea of grocery shopping and cooking with intention, eating foods that help me thrive rather than succumbing to the fate foreshadowed by the women whom I evoke. And how about taking the exact right supplements and not what I hear friends, boyfriends, or coworkers suggest? I am a precious snowflake, and so are you. I created the podcast because I believe knowledge is power. I want to share with you what's possible, and then you decide for yourself if genomic testing and epigenetic coaching are right for you. As I swabbed my cheek to provide the DNA sample and get the wheels in motion, I made a deal with myself, as I always do. I agreed that if I wanted to know the information, that I was willing to do something about it, that I was willing to adapt my life habits to create my optimum environment for healthful living. 
It seemed foolish not to explore my unknown uniqueness, and it would just be dumb as shit to ignore what I learn. I mean, am I right or am I right? What you'll hear next are snippets from my conversations with epigenetic coach David Krantz over three sessions. He's based in North Carolina. I'm in Oakland, so we used a voiceover IP service, so forgive some of the technical glitches that may arise. Deregulation is a son of a bitch. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Hi, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I was making sure all my shit was working. Excellent. And it is. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, cool. I can hear you. Sweet. I'm just going to run through each section here. And if you go ahead and scroll to the, the first full page where it says hunger and satiety, I'll kind of explain the layout. Mm-hmm. and how, um, how I'm interpreting this. So on the left-hand side, you'll see all the different genes that are relevant to this section, and then your particular allele, uh, which is going to be the GG, TT, AT, etc. Um, and based on each one of those, there's um, certain likelihoods or uh, predispositions that can help predict. On the right side where it says low hunger, typical satiety, that's kind of the, the algorithm's decision of what it thinks. And then I'm going back and looking at each one of those genes individually to make sure that I catch everything and point out anything that is, you know, of, of big importance. So I'm going to kind of focus on a couple uh, specific genes in each one of these sections, or in some cases, it's not really that relevant. And then uh, there's also the interpretation section and recommendations. So any particular recommendations that come out of this. Okay, this perfect. first section is looking at hunger and satiety related pathways in the body, which are going to be hormones, neurotransmitters, and pathways in the brain that sense those hormones. So this is how your body decides when it's hungry, when it's full, and kind of organizes those signals to give you the feeling of hunger or fullness. And uh, you have a pretty solid set of genes there. You know, there's nothing major I'm seeing that uh, indicates, you know, you're, that you would have difficulty sensing that type of homeostasis in your body. You know, it seems like your, your pathways are pretty uh, sensitive in general, which is good. Specifically, this one called the FTO and the MC4R variant, those two have been studied. They have a really strong interaction together. And the FTO gene is called the obesity gene. There's certain variants of it when you combine the FTO with the MC4R that really predispose people to obesity because their bodies don't sense those signals basically at all in certain conditions. But you actually have the variant that's associated with very, very low risk of obesity in general. So it's good. If there's any kind of weak point here, it would be in potentially in the dopamine system. You have a predisposition to have lower dopamine levels in general. You know, when you talk about emotional eating or, you know, reaching for sweet foods and, and snacking behavior, that kind of thing can be influenced by just wanting to get a dopamine burst. And, you know, food is a really great way to make that happen in terms of the pleasure receptors and, and that type of thing, that pleasure response that you get from food. You know, and based on our last conversation, it sounds like your snacking and your eating habits are pretty well managed. So, you know, I don't think this is a huge issue, but if that was something that did come up in the future for you and you're like, I, I'm having trouble controlling my appetite, trying to increase dopamine production might be a good solution for that. And that would be looking at uh, providing your body with extra dopamine precursors like tyrosine or B6. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't really make this a big priority now, but just in terms of, you know, knowing that about yourself. Right. And what are, are there physical activities to increase dopamine someone could do versus like supplementation wise? 
mm-hmm. you know, it's going to kind of just be managing your habits in general. So like anything that is highly pleasurable, like sex, food, uh, that works drug, for you know, me. Like, Say no more. Yeah. First on the yeah. list works. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, you know, it's, it's like just managing the, the overall kind of addictive tendencies with that, like wanting to make sure that you're not just like slamming your dopamine system all the time because that's going to promote dopamine resistance. It, you'll, you'll get bursts of it, but it kind of wears you out. In terms of managing dopamine with habits, it's kind of, you know, paying attention to where addictive tendencies might come in Got and it. kind of tending to those and, and learning how to keep things in a more managed kind of state are gonna, is going to affect the dopamine system overall. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let's get into the endocannabinoids. So um, kind of like the other guides, uh, there's a generalized description of each section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the piece that's in bold and a little bit bigger font is kind of your analysis there. So you have the genetic variants that are associated uh, with naturally occurring lower levels of both anandamide and 2-AG. And those are going to be specifically in this FAH gene and MGLL gene gene, which are pretty, uh, they're, they're kind of analogous where they're both enzymes that break down those molecules. So you have variants in both those genes that you have naturally higher occurring amounts of those enzymes. So lower amounts of those endocannabinoids. So and translation those, means that cannabis is good for me to supplement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, right. and actually it's pretty consistent within this report that you have a lot of the, the variants associated with getting benefit from it. And it makes total sense with the way that you use it. Um, actually, I'm very, very pleased to see the correlations here. And that I, makes it, two it, of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you have uh, lower levels of that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move through. But yeah, in general, uh, those are associated with more cannabis preference in general, as well as some enhanced benefits to stress response, especially. Uh, so there's a couple variants I'm able to look at that have been studied uh, just with stress response in general, and then stress response in relationship to using cannabis. And you have some of the genes in the cannabinoid one receptor, especially that are associated with higher stress response and a lowered ability to return to baseline after a stressful event. But those genes are also associated with it seems like people that use cannabis have a better ability to manage that stress, you know, return to baseline and all that makes a lot of sense in terms of what you were experiencing potentially with the IBS symptoms uh, and that being related to potentially stress and what you're describing with that job and then managing some of that with, with cannabis use. Next section is looking at receptor density. Uh, so how many, specifically cannabinoid 1 receptors, how many cannabinoid 1 receptors are present in your nervous system? Right now, there's not a ton of information in terms of exactly what that means, but Uh, you know, in terms of symptoms or or anything beyond just knowing that you have a higher density. And there actually is a little bit of correlation with more or less dependence and withdrawal symptoms. But beyond that, there's not that much known. But you do have two of the three genetic variants in that cannabis cannabinoid receptor one gene associated with more CB1 receptors. Kind of the other side of that is the sensitivity and binding capacity of those receptors. You have genetic variants associated with lower receptor binding. So there's more receptors, but they're less sensitive potentially to THC and other cannabinoid agonists. And so the less binding is associated with actually less dependence and less withdrawal symptoms uh, when those have been studied. This is specifically looking at CB1 receptors and not CB2. 
and you're going to have a lot more CB2 receptors in your skin and, and other areas of your body and not besides your central nervous system and brain. Okay. So this so, is not both. This, we're just tr- talking right. CB1. Okay. This is just, C- okay. just looking at CB1s. Got it. Um, I'm hoping that there'll be some information coming out about CB2s that I can start using here, but there's a little, it's a little bit less well studied right now. That makes sense. So next, next section is looking at cognitive function. Uh, this was really interesting. You have one, the, the main, the COMT variant associated with a really pretty significant reduction in working memory, but you have all of the other variants that seem to be protective of memory loss. It's like, uh, let's see, there's like seven or eight different genes, variants that I looked at in the section. And you had the one main one that is like very significant, strongly weighted, but then all of these other ones across the board kind of counter that. Um, that would suggest that you actually don't have that. So, you know, I imagine there's a balancing effect there. Yeah. That's the part I think that it comes to me feeling like I'm working out my muscles whenever I do get high and I'm like trying to keep myself focused when I know that my mind wants to be scattered. So, yeah, I think I might actually physically feel what's happening inside of me in that moment. I know that sounds like stoner talk and I'm not high right now. I'm just drinking coffee. Uh huh. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, and this is this is totally. Uh, I have no experimental data to support this idea, but the um, COMTGG variant it's associated with lower dopamine levels in general, and the higher dopamine variants seem to be protective of the memory loss thing. And so I, I wonder if you were to take uh, dopamine precursors and try and boost your dopamine levels, whether that would have any effect. I have absolutely no idea, but it could be something that's worth trying. Yeah. Okay. And see, you know, see if you, you're still fighting upstream with that feeling of having to work your muscles. Uh-huh. Okay. Just something we could biohack and experiment with. I'd be curious. Yeah, no, that would be fun. Um, and you'll have to email me later some... Uh, there's a nice supplement made by a company called Natural Stacks called Dopamine Brain Food. That's just a nice combination of a couple different precursors and vitamins that, that's helpful for that. Okay. This is the section looking at THC metabolism and a large majority of what the articles and webinar uh, that I had done was about. And so this is specifically looking at THC, not CBD. You have all of the genes associated with the fast THC metabolism there. Got it. That makes total sense. I always feel like after I smoke with my friends, I'm not high much sooner than they come down off of that feeling. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. And next section is uh, CBD metabolism. You have all the fast metabolizer variants in the main pathway there. This kind of secondary pathway shows some reduced metabolism, but based on what I'm seeing in studies looking at this stuff, like it's not very impactful, I don't think. So, you know, I'd, kind of, I'd consider you on the fast side of CBD metabolism as well. Okay. Cannabis use. Uh, this section is specifically looking at variants that are just associated with cannabis use and preference and um, you know, long-term use history and that type of thing. And you have four out of the eight genetic variants in the literature associated with cannabis dependence and use. So, you know, that's kind of pretty evenly split there. It, it makes, it just kind of makes sense in terms of the way that you use it, where it seems like you have a preference for it, but it's not like a problematic thing and you're like using it all the time. Right. And you're, you know, you're actually able to modulate it and use it when you want it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I will, you know, on Wednesdays I go and I work in Marin and I'm there all day and 
I, I don't take anything with me and I don't consume all day long and I get home and smoke right before I go to bed or something. But yeah, I, people always think that I'm going to go through these major withdrawals if I'm away from it and I never have that feeling. So that's good. That's good. And that makes sense. And the, uh, there's a, there's kind of a main variant or it's a combination of two variants. Um, one's in the cannabis receptor one gene and one's in, uh, dopamine receptor gene. Uh, and that one seems to be really strongly associated with like the withdrawal kind of aspect. And you don't have that particular variant. Um, and that the study that um, that's really cool. They actually, the put people in brain in MRI, fMRI brain scan machines and expose them to do like cannabis cues, like someone like watching someone light up a joint and then they watch their brains light up in response to it. Uh, I just love that that's yeah. a, as a thing that someone decided to do. <laughs> we love um, cool nerds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this MGLL variant, which is the, um, 2AG, uh, enzyme, uh, we talked about on the first one, this one has an association with improved stress response with cannabis use back up that first one. I believe that. And also kind of an interesting note, this variant in the ABC, uh, ABCB1 gene has to do with something called P glycoprotein. And it's a, it's a, membrane transporter it helps molecules kind of cross the barrier between cells and this particular variant is actually associated with lower levels of thc that make it into the brain because of this this transporter gene so i i I find it kind of interesting just in general that you have the lower receptor binding and potentially lower levels of thc making it in just kind of take that and and, yeah think about it but it's interesting yeah no for sure Whenever I'm taking edibles and, you know, me microdosing an edible, like 10 milligrams feels like maybe two milligrams. For me to kind of find my sweet spot with edibles, it ends up being around 20 to 25 milligrams for me to feel like I've got a functional high and and, and it feels mm-hmm. good kind of a thing. That would make sense that those things correlate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it would, especially because, you know, it, it almost seems like you might have a, a wider threshold before you get to some of the, the more extremes, like subjective psychoactive effects, just in terms of there's probably, because that's specifically looking at uh, THC in the brain, there's probably THC and other cannabinoids that you, you're getting benefit from elsewhere in your body. But, you know, because you have that variant, it might just be that you're not getting as much of the psychoactive effects, but you're getting some of the other system-wide benefits. Got it. Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. So next section is looking at subjective response. Specifically, this is looking at the FAH gene again, and that CC variant with the lower uh, levels of anandamides associated with just a more favorable subjective response in general, uh, better subjectively like reported happiness after smoking cannabis versus the other variants. And then the other gene this is looking at here is this one called AKT1. And you have the variant that's associated with less paranoia and a slightly less intense response to THC again, uh, you know, makes sense that it's a functional thing for you. See daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then this last section is looking at schizophrenia and psychosis risk, and you don't have any of the genes that are associated with any significant risk there. Awesome. And, you know, and this is the part that I really want parents to be able to do this with their kids for. That's the thing that they're most frightened about. And so being able to just see that in black and white would be fantastic. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, rightfully so. And th- this has been, this is great to get to do a, a panel like this with someone like yourself who uses cannabis in the way that you do, because it's kind of a really good baseline for me to see these particular combinations of genes and then kind of know that this is how it manifests. Yeah. Um, at least one of the possibilities of it. So I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to, to run this with you, you know? Yeah, no, it's great. And I'm one of those high achievers who I'm like, give me a roadmap, you know, give me a plan and I'll stick to it. And I had a little bit of anxiety after telling you like, let's do this because I thought, well, what if I find out that it's really not as good for me as I think it is? And because I will change my habits. Like that's mm-hmm. just what I do. And so I just was like, universe, come on, man. <laughs> this is my thing. Please just let this be okay. So I'm quite pleased with the results. Cool. Well, uh, do you have do you have any questions about any of the particular sections? If there's anything that you want to dive a little bit deeper into, I can I can, you know, look some things up for you. For me, I just like when we got off the phone on Monday, I was up till after midnight, reading and digesting. And, you know, I like to organize things so I can see it. So I'm making spreadsheets and just kind of printing out my food list and putting it on my refrigerator. So like, I'll spend a lot of time with this and then probably have questions for you. It makes my, it makes my job so much easier and more fun when you work, you know, sit there with the information and kind of digest it and use it like that it really makes it that much more effective. I so. was having lunch with one of my friends yesterday And I was like, I feel so empowered right now. I was like, this is just a really cool experiment and process for someone to go through to just really know, instead of living in fear your whole life, my grandparents, they all get dementia. I wonder, is that going to be me? Well, now I know that I have these variants that would lead me to believe that I might turn out like my grandmother. So how can I fix it? You know, and I think it's all a perspective thing. Like somebody could get this information and then just be scared and be like, great, why should I do anything with my life? I'm just going to forget it all when I'm 80. You know, so it's, you have to have the right perspective to do this. But I I think it's fucking great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's it, it really is about the perspective shift. And uh, I hope you you found the way I presented the information led to that kind of ability to feel like you are empowered to change it. Yeah, absolutely. David and I repeated this process for nutrition, supplementation, detox, exercise, and sleep. Now, I won't make you sit through the rest of my sessions, but if you're interested in learning more about you, I asked David to share a concise breakdown of what you can expect. I'll share everything you need to learn more and get started in the show notes at casuallybaked.com. David is offering Casually Baked listeners a special discount, so be sure to let him know when you inquire. Now, here's epigenetics coach David Krantz with the deets. The Apiron Endocannabinoid Panel is a genetic test that's designed to give you actionable insights on the way that your body handles and responds to cannabinoids and can help you understand if cannabis is a good choice for you. Based on the most current scientific research and genetic correlation studies, you'll learn if you're predisposed to naturally have lower or higher levels of your own body's naturally occurring cannabinoids and how cannabis could be helpful in balancing them out. 
you'll learn how cannabis is likely to affect your memory and cognitive performance. For example, certain variants in the COMT gene have been associated with up to 40% better or worse working memory after using cannabis. And understanding whether you have this and other predispositions can help you decide what type of strain to use and when and how to use cannabis to get the most benefit out of it. You'll learn how your body metabolizes THC and CBD and whether you might need higher or lower doses of those, as well as how you subjectively respond to THC. And you'll learn also if you have any risk factors for a negative response to cannabis, both in the short term and long term, which while rare can occur and is really worth knowing if you are beginning to use cannabis to treat a medical condition or someone you know or love is beginning to use cannabis. It's very helpful to understand uh, if cannabis is really right for you. The test itself is a simple saliva swab you can do at home and includes a 30-minute one-on-one review with myself, David Krantz, the creator of the test. And for a limited time, you can also get the endocannabinoid panel as a free add-on bonus when you do a nutrition and supplementation genetic read with me. This testing can give you the information to truly empower yourself to make healthier choices. And regardless of whether those choices are related to food, supplements, exercise, or cannabis, you deserve to know what's right for your body. And doing genetic testing is a fantastic step to really personalize and customize what you're doing to make sure that you're optimizing your genetic expression so that you can lead the healthiest, happiest, most fulfilling life you possibly can. I hope you're inspired to take action for your personal health and wellness. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family. Be sure to ask your Canna Curious questions by emailing me or booking your free 15-minute session online at casuallybaked.com. Click the big gray schedule appointment button at the top of the page. If you're curious about my tour of Italy, engage with me on social and keep up. My handle is at casuallybaked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're really feeling frisky, go on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and write a review and rate the show. That stuff really helps in getting the message out there. We had a time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, sleep. I'm definitely interested in that one, too. I wish this damn thing could tell me what kind of pillow to buy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests, find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, 
or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.